Welcome to the Connect Kindness Podcast, where we connect people with organizations to inspire kindness. I'm your host, Crystal Aziz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim Evans. In today's episode, we interview Brianna Fowler of Save a Child's Heart. The name of the organization is pretty self-explanatory, but they've saved over 5,000 children with heart conditions at no cost to the child or their family. Brianna shares with us how and why the organization was founded. We learn about the unique process for helping children in need. Brianna also opens up about how she got involved with the organization, and she shares a personal story that is near and dear to her heart. Save a Child's Heart is mending hearts regardless of religion, gender, or nationality. So without further ado, this is our interview with Brianna Fowler of Save a Child's Heart. Thank you so much for joining us on the Connect Kindness podcast. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Save a Child's Heart and what needs you serve? We are a Israeli humanitarian aid organization that provides life-saving heart treatments for children who are in need that are coming from places where they don't have access to care. Um, one in every hundred children around the world is born with a congenital heart defect. And in places where we're lucky enough to have access, many of those children can go on to live a long and healthy life if it's taken care of um, early early on in, in their growth and development. Um, but for children who don't have access to care, uh, we provide that care free of charge for them and their families in Israel um, and have been doing so for the, the last 20 years. There is um, in, an important need in terms of making sure globally that everyone has access to care, and that fits into um, many things. And we focus on hearts, and we focus on um, on that cardiac care, um, mostly because of er- early development and stages about our founder. But there's a there's a lot of need, and we're able to kind of spread that need because of the socialized healthcare system in Israel. That is awesome. I'm really interested in, in how Save a Child's Heart got started. Can you go into to detail on that? How we started is actually such an important piece of who we are today. Um, the late founder, Ami Cohen, um, originally an American you know, veteran who moved to Israel with his family and started working at Wolfson Medical Hospital. It's, um, it's a, you know, an average-sized hospital in Israel and started working on adults and children, um, providing cardiac care that was needed for for the Israelis in need. And he got a phone call from an Ethiopian doctor who said, I have these children, they're in need of care, Can um, can you help me out? And because of the kind of person that um, Ami Cohen was, without hesitation, he said, yes, I'll I'll figure out a way. And that's still how we kind of function today through that same kind of making sure that we say yes and figuring out the other parts um, after. So he said yes, and he actually brought the children over. They stayed with his family. He convinced the hospital as well as the medical team to kind of volunteer their time. He and his family did the fundraising to pay back the hospital bills and kind of treated the first children. Those children came without their family, so Ami and his family were really the people taking care of them as they were healing and recuperating, and they went back home to Ethiopia healthy and happy. The phone kept ringing, and more children kept um, kept getting connected to, to Ami and the team at Wolfson Medical Center, and the team continued to volunteer their time and treat those children above and beyond their regular work at the hospital. Um, Some of the nurses housed the children as well. And as the organization continued to grow, 
there were lots of other needs. So building a children's home for the mothers and kids to stay in um, and finding other ways to provide and um, extend the hand of for, so we could treat more children. Um, so early on, it was just a couple kids and, and the medical team volunteering. And flash forward to today, we're able to treat, you know, 300 plus, almost 400 children a year and really provide them the care they need. And many of them will come with parents or guardians or a nurse from their home country. Although sadly, Ami is no longer with us. Um, He sadly, because of the kind of yes man that he was, passed away on Kilimanjaro um, shortly after starting the organization. All of our medical team dedicated their time to live out his legacy of continuing to say yes, continuing to build partnerships and relationships with countries, you know, in the Middle East and in Africa and around the world um, to make sure that we treated children who otherwise wouldn't have somebody saying yes to be able to treat them. So many of our founding doctors that were early on convinced by AMI to get involved are still involved today in in lots of big ways, which is which is a testament to the kind of man that he was and the people that he surrounded himself with. That's crazy. Like, I got goosebumps with you just, you know, telling that story. I know. What a legacy, (laughs) you know, to carry on like that and um, just speaks to to the organization, you know, that you guys have that y'all are able to to work together and carry on even after he's gone. Yeah, the relationship, it's something that is changing the world. And I think everyone that he started with is on the same page and the people that lives that he touched. That's why, you know, it's able to grow into the amazing organization that it is today. Um, you, you guys really focus on helping children that don't have that adequate medical care. And people may not be aware of how scarce it is in some developing countries to, to be able to get treated for conditions that are serious. Um, how do you guys find these children to help? A lot of the work we do is we're mending hearts, but we're building bridges. And as we build those bridges and build connections with different countries and doctors and individuals who are in need of care, um, we can really grow our our reach and connect to more children. One of the ways in which we do that is we host clinics. So we will go to these countries and run a clinic with the local partners. So just a couple of weeks ago, we had an amazing um, clinic in Zanzibar where many children come to see our medical team, be screened by our medical team, and um, hopefully find out that the you know the condition that they have is something that we can treat and you know we find a way to bring them to Israel or schedule a group or a cohort to come for treatments every week um, separate for that or in parallel as that's going on every week we have a Palestinian clinic where we bring children both from Gaza and the West Bank we organize transportation and they come to our hospital at Wolfson Medical Center and will be screened by our medical team there. And often the children, if they're in need of urgent care or are part of our follow-ups, then they will receive the treatments that they need on the spot or will um, will be scheduled for surgeries and things like that. Um, so locally um, or you know more closely in proximity to our neighbors, we will host weekly clinics. And then about four times a year, we run those international clinics, like I mentioned, um, in Zanzibar. There's amazing things that happen at those clinics as well. We stay connected to our patients, um, so we will follow up with them in partnership with the hospitals and the doctors and the families. Um, so we actually get to see our past patients as they 
grow up. It's often that a congenital heart defect needs to be monitored, as even if it's, you know, if the hole in their heart has been fixed and closed, they still need to, you know, make sure that they come to see our medical team when we arrive in the country and follow up and check up. And sometimes if they're in need of future care, we'll schedule, schedule them to come back to Israel for future care. And in a and an exciting thing that happened to us very recently is we just treated our 5,000th child, um, and that 5,000th child was a past patient's little baby girl. So she was treated at a very young age, and her, her small child was born with the same congenital heart defects. And because she had heard of our clinics and because, you know, we have a partnership, she was able to have, make sure that her little baby was also taking care of little Fatima. So these clinics are, are important for our longstanding relationships, and they're also important for us to find kids. Outside of the clinics, we have children that find us in a wide range of different ways. Sometimes that might be the magic of social media and somebody um, seeing something that we do or passing that along to somebody who doesn't have access to care in their country. Um, the first child from Myanmar found us through a, you know, a Facebook connection. We've had um, children from Afghanistan as well that find us through through the internet so those kinds of ways that we acquire medical files and make sure that we can treat them and all those other logistical things are are less exciting but the fact that the internet can connect us to kids that don't have access to care their families don't have another solution and we can do our best to bring them and provide them the, the care that they they deserve congratulations on helping your 5,000 uh, child that that's a milestone awesome awesome accomplishment and uh, I know that you mentioned earlier that the cost, there's there's no cost to the child or their family. And I can only imagine, you know, how significant the cost is. We're talking about their heart. Um, could you go into detail about um, what, what you guys cover as far as how much it, it costs for each child? We're very lucky. And a very important thing about what Save a Child's Heart does is because of the tremendous amount of volunteer work that happens from, you know, at the hospital on a medical, the medical staff um, volunteer their time, the children's home functions primarily by volunteers, but um, those help us keep the costs down in a really big way. What we do is we cover the medical costs or the hospital costs that it costs um, Wolfson Medical Center. Thankfully, because we are based in Israel and have this amazing partnership with Wolfson Medical Center, um, and because of the socialized healthcare that is in Israel, we pay the hospital what it costs to treat an Israeli child. So we can, you know, really keep those medical costs down and save a child's heart for $15,000. And that $15,000 includes their medical care, their airfare, as well as their cost of living while they're with us in Israel, which can be for two to three months at a time. So that's a very low cost. Yeah. Often in other parts of the world, it you know, it's much more than that. But that cost is so low because um, because of Wolfson, because of the Wolfson Medical Center, because of the volunteers and the medical capacity, and because of all of our amazing partnerships um, that we've created that really make sure that we can continue to do this this work. That's amazing. So just to put in perspective, 5,000 kids, 15K, you know, about for, you know, helping each child, that's $75 million that you guys have put into work. Um, to do amazing things. So, Bravo. wow, wow, <laughs> yeah. that's that's awesome. So, a kid that needs help, um, you've found the kid. What is the process at that point for them to go ahead and get the help that they need? 
Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, there are more kids around the world who need access to care. That's not just in terms of, um, you know, congenital heart defects, but we can acknowledge that there is a very large international need, um, which means we have a wait list in some capacities or countries that we have screened or seen groups and are still awaiting the, the capacity and the space to be able to bring them. And so, but when we do find children, we do get information about kids that are in need. We kind of go through a couple different steps and stages, making sure that they have a congenital heart defect that we can treat and we can treat successfully to give them a long and healthy life. We then have to start organizing visas and paperwork and the logistics. And it will sometimes take anywhere from, you know, three months to, to six months for us to be able to bring children uh, to Israel. Another important piece of this work is that we want these children to come either with a parent or guardian or a chaperoning nurse from their home country. So there is some familiarity. So sometimes we are waiting for a group to have a nurse escort or things like that. So for when we screen children, um, we often will give them a couple months time until we're able to start with getting all of the paperwork done and bringing them to Israel, organizing flights and passports and things like that. And when children contact us online, it will depend on where they live, what medical um, files we're able to receive from them and if we're able to treat them. And specifically, we'll work with the individual families of the country to help organize their medical visas and bringing them. In different cases, it looks different, right? The children that are coming from the West Bank and Gaza, it's, uh, it's a faster turnaround process because we can see them in person within just a couple weeks of, of getting the paperwork or, or, um, or finding out that they're in need. In some capacities, we've even had emergency cases where children were brought over um, overnight via ambulance. And for children who are a little bit further away and need a flight to get to Israel, it can take anywhere for you know a couple months at a time for us to actually help organize. And kids can kids' families can just apply online through our website if they are in need or contact us via social media, um, as I've mentioned before. So the the process, again, will look different for each child as every child's care and need is kind of taken, taken into account based on their country, um, how urgent their case is, and things like that. Our team does have a five-point kind of medical process of deciding when they're on the ground and they're doing these screenings, which kids are urgent and are in need of life-saving treatments immediately based on their age, and which kids maybe have a different kind of condition that we could treat them in a year from now and they still go on to live a long and healthy life. Some of the children that we treat have rheumatic heart disease, which is something acquired later in life, you know, kind of going through the process of do they have a condition that we can treat and how old are they? Um, so the, that five-point system kind of helps us just, you know, make sure that we're, we're providing the right kind of care to each, each child, you know, understanding how many critical cases at a time we can take on. You know, I know that you've helped 5,000 children thus far, but one of your missions is to provide even more care for these kids uh, in need around the world. How are you finding uh, and developing the doctors to help these uh, children that work with Save a Child's Heart. I truly love this organization and that we're not only providing pediatric cardiac care for children in need, we're also trying to create sustainable solutions to the fact that there are not enough people who have access to care. And one of um, you know, one of our missions is to build these centers of competency and to help grow our our reach around the world. And one of the best ways for us to do that is to train doctors. 
um, to provide education and resources for these countries that need um, need that access. So in Tanzania, for example, there's a pediatric cardiac team that is operating on children, and um, and they were trained by our team at Wolfson. They came to Israel, they learned and studied alongside our our medical team, and um, you know it took many years, but now they're there and operating on children in Tanzania who are in need. We're very excited that um, we have a doctor who's been training with us for many years um, from Ethiopia who will soon return to Ethiopia in the coming weeks to be able to provide the access needed. Ethiopia has a handful of pediatric cardiac surgeons at the moment, but it's um, many of them are also doing adult cases or for a, you know, a population of 90 million, one or two surgeons is not enough to save all the lives that's, um, that are needed. So we tra- they come to Israel. These doctors train alongside our medical team. We don't just train the surgeons. We also train the anesthesiologists and the cardiologists and the nurses, the whole team that it takes to save a little heart. And, and we maintain a relationship with them. When we run those medical missions, we stay connected to them and we, you know, will help them when they have cases or problems that come up for, for different things. It's a, it's a long-term relationship. We, we also at the moment have, you know, a, a second surgeon from Tanzania, two surgeons from the Palestinian Authority, and it's a really amazing and growing um, way for us to create sustainable access to care. Um, And again, when those doctors come and learn and train with us, they also are learning and studying with us free of charge. We we really take care of them so that they can be present while they are are studying and learning um, to go back home to their home countries and provide this access. We find these doctors in a couple different ways, but mostly through, you know, partnering with different hospitals and partnering with different countries and finding those those powerful individuals similar to AMI that are, are dedicated and committed to, to saving lives regardless what that what that takes. That's awesome. You guys are thinking long-term here, sustainability, and just going to be touching way more lives by having this as part of your mission. That's awesome. Um, how did you get involved with the organization? Um, I got involved actually first in Israel. I, um, a mutual friend put me in touch with my, my dream job of being based in the children's home. We have a facility that's called the Legacy Heritage um, Children's Home where all the mothers and children cook and eat and play and heal together. And I was lucky enough to spend my days there for three years and really understand and connect with these mothers that are in, you know, a very challenging or some, you know, also often fathers that are in a challenging environment and situation being far away from home and with a sick child and and trusting in us that we would provide their children with the best care possible. And so I got to interact with the volunteers and really um, be a part of the project firsthand, which is how I I fell in love. So people connecting people is actually how I I fell in love with this organization and found um, my true passion in international development and and a beautiful reminder that even if you can't speak the same language, being able to play and interact and cook together and how much a smile and kindness really um, builds relationships and bonds and how important that is as people are healing from these medical treatments um, and or, you know, watching their children go through that. So very grateful to have been connected to the organization and now get to 
get to really be a part of it full time. That's fantastic. Rihanna, can you share like a personal story? Um, I want to speak about a little boy named Abdul who was from um, Zanzibar. Abdul came to us. He arrived with a group of children and his um, and his aunt. His mother was unable to to travel with him because um, of you know external circumstances. So he came with his aunt to Israel. And right away when little Abdul walked into the children's home, you could physically see how, how sick he was. A common problem with a congenital heart disease is that you don't get enough circulation. So little Abdul's lips were blue and he was cold to the touch and he would get out of breath just walking across the room. But he was so eager to play and so eager to make friends that even though you know, he was having a physical hard time, he quickly won over everyone in the children's home. Um, You would often see him curled up on a volunteer's lap outside, even in the middle of Israeli summer, he would have a winter coat bundled up because of his circulation, but he wanted to be outside and playing. When new groups of children arrived, he would, you know, make sure to introduce himself and make friends with everyone in, you know, regardless of where they were from or if they spoke the same language, Abdul was going to make everyone his friend. And while Abdul was was with us in Israel, because his case was so complicated, he was with us for a little bit of time before he was healthy enough for us to to operate. Um, And so he really built all these strong relationships and connections. And something that we do when we send the children to the hospital for their surgeries is they get a bag of, you know, games and things to play with. And everyone really sends them off, everyone in the children's home, you know, including the volunteers, sends them off with well wishes and excitement for, you know, their big surgery and, um, and prayers of it being a successful um, recovery. You know, about a week later, Abdul after a successful um, surgery, came back to the children's home with his aunt, and and everyone was overjoyed to see Abdul um, healthy. And even though he had had open-heart surgery just a week before, he was all smiles, and he had a new life in him. He had a healthy heart for the first time, and he, even though he was in pain and healing, he wasn't out of breath. His skin and his pigment was, you know, bright and no longer blue, and he was um, he was given a new life. By the time he was ready to go back home, he was running around pushing all the toy cars in the back, of, you know, in the garden, and we couldn't really even keep tabs on him. He was there was such a crazy, trans, beautiful transformation. And Abdul is one of the thousands of kids, right? But his his story and his journey and being far away from home and his amazing aunt who really handled all of it with with such grace and was so appreciative are just really a lot of the reminders of, you know, why we do this. And I still on a regular basis get photo updates of how Abdul is doing and that he's able to go to school now finally. And um, he will forever, I will forever, you know, be with me in my heart, even though, uh, even though we live on other sides of the world. So it's really, really special to be a part of the work in that way. 
Absolutely. That's a beautiful story. And thank you so much for sharing that. How, how can our listeners get in touch with you and your organization if they want to learn more about it or volunteer? There are lots of ways to get involved. I mentioned earlier that um, volunteers are, are truly the heartbeat of our organization from a medical capacity as well as with the, you know, from helping us acquire these funds to save lives to playing and interacting with uh, the children. Our website is a great hub for people to find out more information about who we are, so saveachildsheart.com, as well as a way to find out what our volunteer and intern opportunities are, both in Israel and all around the world. Um, We're lucky enough to have hubs and chapters of people doing great work in the U.S., Canada, the Netherlands, um, the UK, Australia, Switzerland. There are lots of people who are are a part of this beautiful web of saving lives and connecting children. Um, And so that's really the best place. Um, We also have beautiful stories of children and mothers and all of their journeys, as well as our medical team on our YouTube channel, which is another great hub to kind of both hear it, but also see it for um, as well. Grana, thank you so much for taking the time and um, sharing all those details with us and the stories about your organization. We really do appreciate it, and I know our listeners will too. Yeah, thank you so much, Brianna. It's been a pleasure, and we can't wait to you know continue to follow uh, Save a Child's Heart and watch you guys impact even more uh, people worldwide. Thank you guys so, so much. I am um, very grateful to be able to kind of share the Save a Child's Heart stories and um, and have this information shared out. And I appreciate the work that you guys are doing as well. So thank you so much for having us a part of your wonderful project. Thank you so much for listening to the Connect Kindness podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ShareGiveDo. And please remember, the world is changed by your example, not by your opinion.